So Genesis chapter 16, we'll be starting in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So, Abram, so after Abram had lived, in ten, lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Verse 7, The angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and bear a son and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, as therefore the well was called Berlaharoi, it lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Have you ever been impatient? You say, we just drove to get here. Probably had a, a little tidbit of impatience at some point on the road if you got stuck behind somebody. Um, that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I, uh, when I think of, of impatience in our household, um, and I may get in trouble later for not asking if I could talk about this, but we have someone in our household of the female persuasion who is not my wife. Um, and uh, she is a very deliberate person. When she decides that she's going to do something, she is a planner she likes to get it all figured out and get it planned out. And she's very deliberate and she does it a very good job. But some of us don't like the time that it takes for planning and deliberateness and things like that. And so we become impatient. Even in things sometimes that she's doing on behalf of us. She'll, she'll have this great idea to do something like a, a breakfast in bed for mom and dad, right? And, and she'll go through and she'll, she'll get the okay from mom to go ahead and do it, first of all, which that's good. She gets permission. And then she, she'll go through and she'll start getting everything together. She'll, she'll go through the process of creating a menu. Like, 
a handwritten menu with all the different options that she can create, you know, and she'll, she'll put that all together and, and then she'll bring it in and, and she'll take her orders. Sometimes she'll try to get the boys to help and they're not very good at it because they're impatient too and they don't like the process and the procedure, right? So eventually they get kind of dropped by the wayside <laughs> because they won't follow along. But she's, she's got everything planned out. She gets it all figured out and then she cooks it. She does whatever it is that we've ordered. She'll bring it in. But it's a process. I mean, it's a, it's a long process. Sometimes she started ahead of time. She's got maybe the menu ahead of time, but man, it's good. But some of us are a little impatient. <laughs> Even though she's doing something really good and kind for us, we can sometimes be kind of jerks. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Some, if somebody's doing something kind and generous for you, but they, you know, they take a little bit while, or maybe they don't do it quite the way that you'd like them to do it, and you, you, know, you kind of get annoyed, right? This is great, but it's, you know, it's taking a little bit too much time. I really didn't feel like sitting in bed for another 45 minutes before even eating. I mean, this, this was not my plan, right? And, and yet some, she's doing, trying to do a nice thing, a kind thing, and yet what is, I'll, I'll say my attitude. I won't speak for my wife. What is my attitude, right? It's, all right, can we just do cereal? Cereal and milk. It's not that hard. Let's just do that, right? Let's, let's make it quick. Snappy. Here we go. All right, because I'm impatient. I don't, want, I don't want to take the time. I don't want to give her the time to do what she's trying to do. And all she wants to do is do something nice for me. All she wants to do is do something that's going to make my life better. But yet, how do I respond sometimes? Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's hurry it up. I got stuff to do. I'm impatient. And I think a lot of times... We get that way with God, do we not? God says, I have a plan for you. I have a, a purpose for you. I have, I have things that I'm doing. We talked last week about the fact that God is working in our life. He is constantly doing things in our life. Even when we, even when we don't realize that he's working in our life, he's still working in our life. He has begun a good work in you. will complete it, right? He'll complete it. He's going to continue working in us. And yet, how often do we get um, impatient with what God is doing in our life? And this morning, as we look at this passage, we're going to see four impacts of impatience. Four impacts of impatience in the life of Abram and Sarai, and probably in us as well. So as we take a look at this, don't just look down your nose at Abraham or Abram. Don't just look at your no nose at, at, at Sarai and think, man, you guys are dumb, man. You guys, I mean, look at everything that God has done for you so far. How can you, how can you act like this? Because all of us do the same thing. All of us do the same thing. We all get impatient when it comes to God and his timing. So let's take a look at this passage this morning in Genesis chapter 16. The first impact of impatience that I see in this passage is that impatience corrupts our perspective. Impatience corrupts our perspective. What is the situation here? Abram has been called out of, the, of Ur. He's been called out of Haran. They've come back down to Canaan. 
God has called him there. He's, he's in some sense, not completely, but in a, in a little bit of sense, has fulfilled some of the promise. He's led him there. He's dwelling there in the land. He doesn't possess it. And we know that he won't possess it. His, his children will possess it eventually. We, we saw that last week. But we, we know that God has proven himself faithful in the life of Abram. And in fact, if we go back, something we didn't really touch on last week from chapter 15, if you look down in verse, uh, look at verse 5 of chapter 15, he says, And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Verse 6, And he, mean Abram, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So God has proven himself faithful to Abram to the point that Abram's faith in God was so great at, in chapter 15 that God counted it as righteousness to him. We have multiple instances of that in the New Testament, referring back to the fact that God gave, imputed righteousness to Abram, not because of the works that he did, but because of the faith that he had. So we know that Abram has seen God move. We know that Abram knows what God is doing and, he, and, and he's had these promises, but then we come to these circumstances in chapter 16. And how long has it been since God called Abram? Anybody catch that? How long has it been? 10 years, right? It's been 10 years since God promised Abram, you're going to have offspring, and those offspring are going to be vast. Ten years. How many kids? Zero, right? Ten years, no kids. And we see the beginning of the impatience, really not necessarily with Abram, but with whom? Sarah, Sarai, right? She's beginning to get impatient. Of course, she's older. <laughs> In fact, uh, Scripture tells us when we get to Isaac, it's going to tell us that she's past the age of having children. She, her body physically literally can't have children. Um, and that's why it's such a miracle that she did have Isaac. And, uh, but, but here, we see the impatience begin with Sarah, with Sarai. And her impatience corrupts her perspective of what's going on. What does she say to Abram? What does she say? She says, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Now, let's jump back really quickly, all the way back to Genesis chapter 11, or 12. Yeah, 11, sorry. Genesis chapter 11 talking about the descendants of Terah, Noah's father, or Abram's father. And we're going to look at verse 29. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Was this before or after they left Haran? What? Before, right? So this was 10 years ago. 
10 years ago, the circumstances that Sarai finds herself in in chapter 16 are exactly the same. She was barren. She did not have the ability to have children. And yet we come to chapter 16 after God has made these promises. And again, in, in chapter 15, he made it even more uh, conclusive and emphatic that the, that the promised son was going to be a, a, a child of his own flesh and blood. It wasn't going to be some you know, process of having a servant take over your stuff. It, it, no, it was, it was his own biological son this was going to be. And so God has made this very clear. And now it's 10 years into this process and Sarah's going, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And uh, there's been no child. There's been no physical child. There's been no biological son that God has promised us. And she doesn't just stop there, but she says, not only is there no child, but God has prevented me from having children. See, her perspective of the situation changed because she grew impatient. Her perspective of the situation, the fact that she couldn't have children, changed from just this is how I am to God is preventing me from giving me the blessing that he promised. God is preventing me from having the blessing that he promised he was going to do. God is against me. That's basically what she's saying. God is not allowing me what I desire. Now, it's something that God had promised. It's a good desire, but she says, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. He's, he's not letting it happen. Yet, 10 years earlier, we don't have anything about her being upset that she doesn't have children. It's only after God says, I'm going to do a great thing in your life that she grows impatient. And she says, you know what? <laughs> it's time. It's time. We got to do something. Because God is obviously not going to do what he said he was going to do. So impatience clouds or, or corrupts our perspective. Does it not do the same for us? God has promised us so many things, whether it be uh, a, a leading, you know, where we, 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 maybe we feel this call of God to, to go uh, either into a, a form of ministry or we feel a call, the call of God to even move to a different location uh, in the United States, maybe even to go across the world and serve in the mission field. And we may strongly believe that God has given us a call to do something, but yet the doors don't seem to be opening. And it's been a year, five years, 10 years, 30 years. And the doors that we, where we thought God was leading us aren't open. They're not there. And we grow impatient. And it begins to corrupt our view of our circumstances. It begins to change the way that we view God. It begins to make us question, do you really, are you really going to come through? Are you really going to do what you said you're going to do? If you're impatient, it will corrupt the way you view your circumstances. And part of that corruption begins by blaming God. By saying, I deserve this and you've not provided it. That's what Sarah is saying. 
She's saying, I deserve what you have given, what you've promised, and you've not done it yet. So impatience corrupts our perspective. You know, when we uh, sold our house earlier this year, we had been praying and hoping uh, that God would give us the opportunity to move up north. Um, all of my wife's family is up north. Our church is up north. All of our friends are up north. I mean, this is, this is where our life really is, uh, for the most part. And, and we've, we've been desiring that. We've been praying for that. And the Lord just never opened the door for a very long time. And finally, he gave us the opportunity. All the right things fell into place. And, and God providentially opened the door for us to sell our house and, uh, and to end up debt-free, praise the Lord, and move up north. But what we thought is that we're going to move up north and find a house and get settled and, you know, do life, you know, tons of room and have people from the church over and all these great ministry ideas and family ideas and just things, man, we were, we were gung-ho, we were excited, man, God's doing great things, this is awesome, and then all the houses kept getting bought by other people, and, and we're now in an apartment, and it's a little rough, and if we're not careful, we can be, become impatient. Uh, we had some ladies over yesterday who were practicing for a special that's going to be sung here in the not-too-distant future. And my wife was recounting some of our recent uh, ventures into homes, looking at different things. And it just seems like every time we get excited about a potential house, like that day or the next day, it's got an offer. And it's gone. And it's just like, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> You, you brought us up here. You opened all the doors. We walked through them. What is going on? And it, it's really easy to become impatient. And when you become impatient, not only do, do, you, do you lose, do you, does your perspective corrupt it? It's e it would be easy for us to be like, well, you know, just like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they're in the desert, you know, why'd you bring us out here to die? You know? What's going on with that? It could be very much, what'd you bring us out here for? To steal all of our money through rent? <laughs> I mean, what's the purpose, God? Why, why are we going through this? Why can't, why can't you just let us have a house? And it would be easy to, to, to change our perspective and, and think that maybe God's punishing us for something. Maybe, maybe, he, he, maybe, maybe he's not leading us in the way that we thought. And it would be easy for us to change our perspective. But not only does impatience change your perspective, just like it did with Sarah, she looked at it and she said, God's keeping me because I don't have a child. But impatience circumvents God's plan. Impatience circumvents God's plan. What does that look like for her? Sarah says, look, I can't have children. Um, of course, we've known that for a long time, but God is, is keeping me from having children, even though he promised it. He promised a biological son, but you know what? There's more than one way to get a biological son. See, I've got this servant. I've got this servant named Hagar, right? What'd she say? 
Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Because she was her servant, there was this idea that she could somehow be the mother through some form of tradition because it was her servant. If he had a child with her, then that would somehow soothe her pain of not being able to bear a child. She's like, there's another way. We can both, we can both make God's promise true and fix the problem. So it can still be a biological child, but we can do it, we can do it our way. We can do it faster. We can do it now. And she begins to circumvent God's plan. But, you know, Abram's not, Abram's not just, uh, he's not a victim in all this, right? Abram goes along with it. Abram says, okay, I don't know, maybe he's getting tired of waiting too. I mean, how old is he now? Did you catch it? 85 now, he's 86 when he's born, but yeah, so he's, he's 10 years older, if you remember, he's 75 when he's called. So 10 years, he's 85 years old. He might be getting a little impatient too. Maybe he's like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is what God intended. Maybe, maybe God really meant to have a child this other way. But yet, was that God's plan? Was it ever God's plan for him to take another wife? No. We know from the beginning of Genesis, right? We know from the beginning of Genesis that God created man and woman. They were male and female. There would be husband and wife, two becoming one flesh. It was one-to-one. -one. That was God's plan. And it's interesting, up to this point, they were following God's plan. We don't have any other record of Abram having other wives. It was just Sarai, even though she couldn't have children in, in, a, in a, a world where that was, I mean, that was pretty bad. In fact, that was a good reason for most guys to take another wife was so that he could have children, so that he could pass on not only his wealth, but he could pass on his lineage. So it was important in that culture for them to have children and she couldn't have any. And yet to this point, they were faithful. But yet when they become impatient, they begin to go outside. They begin to circumvent God's plan for marriage. And it wasn't just Sarai. It was Abram too. Because he had to be involved in this process. He was a willing participant in circumventing God's plan. It wasn't, we can't just blame the woman, Right? Just like in Genesis chapter 3, we can't just blame Eve. Adam was at fault too, right? These are the men who are supposed to be leading their households. And yet they're giving in to the sinful desires of their wives. And here Abram gives in to this plan to circumvent, to circumvent God's plan. And from, from a, a human standpoint, it makes sense, doesn't it? From a human standpoint, it's, it's a great idea. I'm going to have a child, hopefully a son, and just like God promised, and, and it's going to be my child, and we're going to be able to do it faster than whenever God had it planned. I don't know. He didn't give us a timetable. 
It sounds like a great idea. It, sounds, it, it makes logical sense. And, and often when we do the same thing, does it not make logical sense? You know, we, we look at um, our circumstances and we grow impatient with what God is doing. And, and we look around and we try to manipulate and find another way to get what we want. And, and we're very good at that, are we not? We're very good at saying, well, you know what? If I just do this and I just do this, you know, it's not really, it may not be the best thing, but it's certainly, you know, I'm not like that guy over there, you know, and I can, I can do these few things and that's going to get me where I want to be. And yet, while it may not be sin, is it God's plan? We like to kick down doors, do we not? We like, to, we like to say, this door is the one that I want, and it's getting open. Whether it's with my foot or with some other heavy piece of machinery, this door is going to open up because I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting for what God has for me. I want, I want what I want now. Or I want what he's promised now. We do that in so many areas of our lives. We may do that through our job. Have you ever knocked down a door with your job? I know Eric's been through two job changes since uh, in the last, what, five years? Something? Maybe more. Maybe more changes. <laughs> um, but, but yet, you know, every time he's, he's talked to us about it, he's like, guys, you know, pray for me because it sounds like a great opportunity but I don't want to push the door open, right? It sounds like a great opportunity, but I don't, want to be, I don't want to be forcing something that isn't God's will. But it's easy to do that, is it not? Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's uh, uh, just better benefits. Maybe it's a better schedule. Whatever, whatever the reasoning is, we, we may become impatient with God's timing and where he has placed us and begin to to try to find something else that fits our our felt needs, that fits our desires, that fits our wants. And many times we may even be running from what God is trying to do in our life. God is about to show himself mighty in the life of Abram and Sarai in just the next few chapters. In about 10 more years. Yeah, 15 more years. But he's not willing to wait. He's not willing to wait. And so he chooses a path to circumvent it. There are many, many ways that we do this. It could be of our job, could be with uh, ministry, even here at the church. You know, I think, about, I think about our land. We've had this land for ever since I've been here. 13 years, 14 years, something like that. And yet, we've never been at a point where we can build on it. We've looked at opportunities to sell it. One of them fell through. Lost a realtor. <laughs> and it's easy to just kind of be like, God, what are, you, what are you doing with this land? It's just sitting out here. But yet, he's given it to us to manage, to steward, to be faithful with? Are we knocking down doors, 
trying to do something that we shouldn't do with it? Are we going to you know, decide, well, we're just going to build anyway. We're going to go into debt. And we're going to build. Even though maybe that's not what God wants. See, even in ministry, there's ways that we can become impatient and we can start to try to circumvent God's plan. I think of young people and dating relationships. You know, don't want to wait till marriage. That's not just a that's not just a worldly thing. That's prevalent in the church. They don't want to wait until the marriage vows to have what is waiting for them then. They want to circumvent God's plan. They want the happiness now. They want their desire now. But it's interesting, impatience not only circumvents God's plan, but it cripples relationships. It cripples relationships. What happened here? What happened here? It says that she gave Hagar to Abram to be his wife, which that's a weird situation, isn't it? Right? So here's Hagar, who is now Abram's wife, but yet still Sarai's servant. How does that work? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but somehow in their convoluted circumvention of God's plan, Hagar could be Abram's wife and also the servant of Sarai. And what happens? Hagar gets uh, pregnant, right? And what does she do? She starts to look down on Sarai, right? She starts to, to look at her in disdain. I'm better than you are. I'm better than you are because I can have children. So, so the relationship between Hagar and Sarai begins to separate, begins to unravel. And, and Sarai gets upset about this, right? She's like, wait a minute, that's not fair. I, I am Abram's wife. I am the mistress of this house. You should not be looking down at me. And who does she go to? Abram. And she says, this is your fault. I saw some women mouthing that. Good job. This is your fault, right? You did this. This is all your fault. And like a good husband, Abram says what? This is your problem, right? <laughs> he doesn't take responsibility for his actions. He doesn't take responsibility for him being in charge and, and not saying no. He's, he just puts it back on her. He's like, he's like no, 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 no. This was your idea. She's your servant. You take care of it. And then what happens? So Sarah's like, okay. And so she treats Hagar horribly to the point that Hagar runs away. She seeks to flee away. And if you, if you kind of look up the map, where do you think Hagar's going? Any ideas? Back to Egypt. She's going back to Egypt. She's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And the impatience that Abram and Sarai have begin to unravel the relationships, the family dynamic. It unravels the kindness, the closeness that they had. Everything in their relationships begin to fall apart. 
when we're impatient and we begin to circumvent God's plan, things don't always turn out the way we expect them to. Things don't always uh, work out as nicely as our plan had in mind, right? And it's easy when those things don't work out to begin to start pointing fingers, right? Well, well, it was your idea to do this. You know, maybe the husband changes jobs and all of a sudden he gets laid off work because they had no clue this was going to happen. It was, it was just something that he decided that he wanted to do. And so she says, well, <laughs> you better deliver pizzas or something, bub, because this is your fault. You're, you're the one that made this decision, you know, because of impatience. Maybe you look at the, op- the opportunity to minister. And I've seen this many times where men are called to a ministry. And maybe it wasn't God's plan. And the wives oftentimes are the ones that suffer because of it. The families oftentimes are the ones that suffer because of it. Because he's impatient. Because he's unwilling to let God lead and direct and clarify. Relationships are crippled when we're impatient. Fourthly, impatience creates unforeseen and unintended consequences. Impatience creates unforeseen and unintended consequences. When we begin to circumvent God's plan, we, we create a plan of our own. We create a process that we think is going to work. We, we have another idea. And, and for us, it's all rose-colored glasses, is it not? For us, it's all, this is going to be perfect. I mean, can you imagine Abram and Sarai? I mean, he, he's thinking, again, this is, this is a great idea. It's perfect. It fulfills everything that God promised. It gets, it gets us where we want to be right now. It's awesome. Until it's not. Until the consequences of the decisions that they've made come back. Until the relationships are broken down. Until there are issues. And the thing is, the issues, the consequences, don't always happen right away. Sometimes they happen much, much later. And there are consequences, obviously broken relationships is part of the consequences here. But as you read down, you come back down here, Hagar ran away and the angel of the Lord found her in verse 7. He says, you know, where are you going? And she said, I'm, I'm fleeing because uh, I'm fleeing from my, ma- my mistress, Sarai. And what does the angel say to her? What does he say? He says, go back. Go back. Go back. Return to your mistress. And what? And Submit. Return to your mistress and submit. That sounds pretty harsh. He doesn't say everything will be fine. He doesn't say she's going to treat you right from now on. What does he say? 
Return and submit. That's pretty rough. She is going to now have to come back and, and, and suffer through this relationship with Sarai. She's going to now have to come back and deal with this problem. She has to stay there. God has told her she must go back. Not only that, but not only does she have to go back, but that means that Abram now has to take responsibility for this child. Abram now has to take responsibility for this situation. If she, if she had been allowed to leave and go away, problem solved, right? No more Hagar, no more child. Everything goes back to normal. Everything's fine. We'll go back to waiting on God now. Now that we've messed everything up, we'll go back to waiting on God. But that's not what God wanted. Hagar was going to be a constant reminder and the child was going to be a constant reminder to Abram and Sarai of the fact that they grew impatient and were unwilling to wait for God's timing. And there was going to be continual conflict and continual problems because they're human. So not only is Hagar going to have to go back and submit, but Abram can't escape the fatherly responsibility that he has. In fact, Sarai is going to now have to accept the legitimacy of this child. Again, if Hagar goes away, Abram doesn't have to worry about it. Sarai doesn't have to worry about it. She doesn't have to accept the fact that this is Abram's son. It all goes away. So Hagar has to submit. Abram has to recognize his fatherly responsibility. And Sarai has to recognize the fact that this is a child of Abram with any rights that come with it from God. Unintended consequences. And we look at even the further consequences as we read about this son. The angel of the Lord in verse 10 says, I will surely multiply your offspring so that he cannot be numbered for multitude. Does that sound familiar? You think... God maybe extended a little bit of Abram's blessing onto this illegitimate son. Sure looks like it. He says, I'm going to multiply him so that they can't be numbered, just like, just like I'm going to do for the chosen son, for the true son that I'm going to give to Abram. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. But listen to this description. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. Does that just like conjure up images in your mind? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know what a wild donkey is like. I, I, the only, closest I can think of is like a, the old Mustangs in, in the West, you know, just these wild horses that you had to capture and tame. I don't, I don't know. Are donkeys like that? I don't know. But, but it's an interesting description, right? He'll be a wild donkey of a man. He's going to be He's going to be uncontrollable. He's going to be uncontrollable. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. You know, it's really interesting. When you look at the promised land that God has given, that God promised to Abram, it wasn't just Canaan. Did you recognize that? 
It went all the way as far as the Euphrates. Where was that? Way east. Who lives in that area? Hmm? Yeah. The descendants of Ishmael. He will dwell over against his kinsmen. And if you look at even the descendants of Ishmael today, there's a lot of war. There's a lot of fighting. Their hand is against every man and every man's hand is against them. Do you think God knew what he was talking about? Unintended consequences. All because Abram and Sarai were unwilling to patiently wait for what God had promised. The same is true for us when we're impatient. There are many, there are oftentimes many unintended consequences. They may be financial. They may be health-related. I think of even, you know, in the event of um, some actions, there may be children. Unintended consequences. All because we grow too impatient to let God work out His plan in His time. We all fall victim to this. We all get tired of waiting. We all want something now, even if it's a good thing, just like, just like my daughter doing a good thing, doing a kind thing for me. God is working in us. He's doing something, even spiritually. How many times do we grow impatient because we're not seeing the results spiritually that we want to see in ourselves? Or, or parents, how many times do we get impatient because we're not seeing the, the growth, the spiritual growth, even the, just the obedience in our children the way that we think that we should? And we begin to question God. And we begin to try to circumvent the plan and try to do things a different way. We try to muster up our own, our own abilities to, to fix things on our own, to make it work out the way that we want it to work out. And we grow impatient. And the consequences of these actions can be great. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know if there's a trial that God is taking you through. I don't know uh, if you're growing impatient, waiting for Him to, to come through. I don't know if, if maybe you just you know God is leading somewhere, but He hasn't quite opened the doors and you're growing impatient, waiting for that door to open. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but let me encourage you, be patient. As that verse said from Psalm this morning, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Don't allow your impatience to cloud the way that you view your circumstances. Don't allow your impatience to begin to allow you to manipulate your circumstances. Don't allow your impatience to destroy your relationships. Don't allow your impatience then to create unintended consequences because it will. It will. Abram never planned to have basically an enemy of God's people as his own son. The chosen people of God through his son Isaac, lifelong, centuries-long enemies 
with the children of his first son. All because he was impatient. One final thought this morning, though. Look at verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Let me read that again. Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Even when we fail, even when we're impatient, even when we've messed up our relationships, when we've gone our own way, even when we have created unintended consequences, and they may be grave consequences, they may be things that that linger with us for the rest of our lives, even when we do that, God is still sovereign. Even when we're impatient and we follow our own plan, God is still in control. He's still working His plan. And He's going to finish His plan. It may be hard. His plan might have been a little bit easier without some of the extra consequences. But He's still going to work. He's still going to to do the things that He's promised to do. In the life of Abram, He's still going to fulfill His promise. In just a few chapters, He's going to give Sarai a son named Isaac. Not that far away. So, does that give us freedom to be impatient? No. Romans says, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, this is not not an opening for us to just go ahead and do it. It's not an opportunity for us to just be impatient and go ahead and follow our plan because you know what? It's all going to work out in the end. God's got it all figured out. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we mess up, God's still sovereign and he's still in control and he will still accomplish what he sets out to do. And he did so in the life of Abram. But you know what? Abram's life got a lot harder because he wasn't willing to wait. Father, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you love us. We thank you that you do have a plan for our life. You do have a a goal for us. It's Christ-likeness. And you have a purpose and a way of obtaining that through trials and tribulation. You have a way of bringing us from our sinfulness closer day by day to the image of Christ. God, help us not to become impatient with the process. Help us to trust what you are doing, even if it takes months and years and decades. Help us to not grow impatient. Lord, we know that you want to be glorified and you will be glorified. I pray that you would help us not to steal any of the glory simply because we're not willing to wait. Help us, as the psalmist said, to wait on the Lord. Help us to be people who are active, who are obedient, who are fulfilling what we're supposed to be because that's what biblical patience is, Lord. It's it's us doing what we are called to do until you lead us into the next step. That's what patience is. 
And Lord, help us to be people who live like that. Help us to be people who are faithful, who are steadfast, who are, who are doing and pursuing godliness. No matter where you've put us, no matter how long the wait is for that next step, help us to be faithful to do what you've called us to do until you open that next door. And we'll give you the praise when you do so. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.